This morning, I'm going to bring a message to you called Four Cups. And it does relate to the communion table, but it also rates, relates to the children of Israel. And it also relates to us as the children of God. Aren't you glad to be a child of God? The first scripture we want to look at this morning is found in Psalms 116 and verse 13. Psalms 116 verse 13 says, I will take up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord, the cup of salvation. And then something Jesus said in Luke twenty-two thirty, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. How many of you know that communion is a time of celebration? It is one of the most glorious sacraments of the church. It's a reminder for you and I of our blood covenant with him and his faithfulness to us. You know, very often when I receive communion, I look at it as a time of examination. Not examination which brings condemnation into one's life. But oftentimes when I receive communion, it's a time of recalibration. Now, if you're like me, sometimes, we don't mean to, but sometimes we can get off course a little bit. Maybe in our attitudes with one another. Maybe in an area of life where the Lord has been working with us and dealing with us for a number of months or years. And he would remind us of these things. And he would say, now son, you've, you've gotten off a little bit. It's time for you to recalibrate. Well, this morning I want to encourage you to do that. You know, maybe if you've had a little nasty attitude or maybe if you've kind of let go of some spiritual disciplines, not praying, not reading the word of God. Communion is a time to recalibrate. Amen. It's a time of celebration, but it's a time of recalibration. Now, how many of you ever heard of something called the Passover? Well, the Passover basically is an observance of the flight and exodus of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. Is that right? For us, it is a remembrance of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who died so that you and I might live. And as they applied the blood on the doorpost so that when the death angel came by, he passed over them, you and I speak the blood of Jesus over our lives. So that when calamity is all around us, we can declare no evil befalls us. Neither does any plague come nigh our dwelling. Because we are living under the blood of the Lamb. And it is by the word of our testimony that you and I can overcome somebody. Shout amen. Amen. And so about 3,500 years ago, this Passover then took place celebrating their release from bondage and captivity. I can remember back in 1980 or 81, Brenda and I were pastoring a church in Minneapolis, Minnesota called Overcoming Faith Fellowship. Someone said, I met my wife at off, Overcoming Faith Fellowship. And there was a gentleman in our church that invited us to go to a Passover meal at a Messianic Jewish congregation. Honey, did you go that night? You did go that night. And it was just a glorious and a wonderful experience of all the things that the Jews observed in that Passover meal. It was called the Seder meal. I called it the cedar meal in the first service, but it's not a tree meal, it's a Seder meal. 
It's the Passover meal. And so we, we saw that, and during the course of that time, there were four cups that were taken and four different toasts that were given. And these four different cups and these four different toasts said something of the children of Israel and their freedom and their deliverance. Well, likewise, these four cups over in the New Testament pertain to us. So I want us to take a look at these four cups today as we look to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for ministering life to us today. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. Amen. And so these four cups represented four promises. Now, let's just look at the word promises in a general sense, first and foremost. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We're going to look at this out of the NIV version. It says that through these, speaking of the word of God, he has given unto us very great and precious promises. Wow. A great God has given you great promises so that he may do great things for you and in you for his glory. Amen. So these promises are great so that through these promises you may participate in the divine nature. Think of it. The divine nature. The Zoe kind of life. You are a participator and you are a partaker in the divine nature when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then he goes on to say, That you can participate in this divine nature. And as a result, you will escape the corruption that is in this world caused by evil desires. Has there been anyone in this place today that has ever escaped evil by standing on the precious promises? I think we can all say yes and amen. The precious promises have taken us through the pressures of life. And we've partaken of his divine nature. And we're experiencing the great escape. Amen. 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 The great escape. And so we see here that we have been given precious promises. The word promise, the definition simply means this. An offer with a guarantee of results. An offer with a guarantee of results. You know, God himself is the great promiser, but he's also the great promise keeper. He watches over his word that he has promised to perform it on behalf of those who will stand in agreement with what he said and declare that his word is true. He's watching over his word to perform it in your life today. And you know something else? God's not like man. He doesn't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. Hath he said it, and shall he not make it good? Has he not spoken, and shall he not do it? Yes, he will. Yes, he has. And yes, he will. God's promises are timeless. Joshua said it like this, that not one of all of his good promises to Israel ever failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 6 now. And notice with me in verse 17 through 18 in the message translation. And I want you to join in. And I want you to read this with me. Verse 17 and 18. Ready? Read. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, 
He gave us his word, a rock solid guarantee. Verse 18. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope. Grab the promised hope. Hold fast to the word of the Lord Lord God. Hold fast to the promises of God and never let go. Because I'll guarantee you, God will never let you go. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so we can grab hold of that great hope that these precious promises give us. And we should never let go. Say to your neighbor, I'm not letting go. I'm holding fast. Now, I don't know how many promises there are in the Bible, but there's thousands of them. But think about that. For every problem that you and I face, there is a promise. For every pressure that we may go through, there's a promise. And there is a specific promise for your situation. I want to challenge you today. Number one, get to know the promises of God. Read His Word every day. Discover and feed on Scripture. Find a nugget that you can meditate on all day long. And then hold on to the Word of God. Chronicles said this, Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and you have made known all these great promises. Thank you, Lord, for the great promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. That's what we're doing. And so as you discover the promises, also pray for understanding of the word. Pray for understanding. Just don't casually go through the Word and read it to kind of satisfy some reading plan. Reading plans are good. But how many of you know you can read three, four chapters a day and have no understanding? That's why Paul said, pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Pray for spiritual understanding. Pray that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. And when the entrance of His Word comes into your life, let it bring light. Let it bring understanding. So pray for understanding. Pray that the Spirit of the Lord will show you exactly what you need to know. Hallelujah. He is always there for us. He is always doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And how many of you know the promises of God are for your own good? They're for your own good. His promises talk about your future. Whether you realize it or not, He wants a far better life for you than even you're experiencing right now. That's why Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank God for eternal life when you're born again. But friends, that's just the beginning. There's more that God has got for you. I pray that you might have the God kind and the God 
quality of life. We're going to work around four words today. Everyone say happy, happy. Stable, stable, fruitful, fruitful. And, blessed. and blessed. Happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. Now, each one of these four cups, those words pertain to one of them. We're going to look at that today. But before we do, go back to Exodus chapter 6. These four cups will cause you to be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, and this takes place at the Seder, this takes place at these wonderful messianic Passover meals, and they apply to us. He said, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord your God, number one. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. (laughs) Don't you know after being in Egyptian bondage for all those years, when God says, I'm going to bring you out, it put a smile on their face? Glory to God, no more serving the taskmasters. So God said, I'm going to bring you out. The second thing he said, I will rescue you from bondage. You know, it's one thing to be brought out, but it's another thing to be freed up from any bondage or from any wounds that bondage and prison had caused in your life. And then he says, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. How many of you know that when God redeems you, you can be well on your way to being fruitful? And he said, I will take you as my people. I'm going to be your God. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bless you. Look at verse 8 of that same chapter. I'm going to bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. And if we could look at verse 8 of Exodus chapter 6, it would be ever so helpful because I don't have it in my notes. And I don't have my Bible open. Verse 8, back, back, 1. Exodus 6, 8. Amen. Let's read it together. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. For I am the Lord your God. So let's look at these four cups. The first one. As it was brought forth as a toast, he says, I'm going to bring you out. This is the cup of salvation. Salvation is simply relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what salvation did for me. When I was bound up by all those drugs and that addictive lifestyle, when I got born again, it made Mark Thomas happy. I mean, it made me so happy that the night I got saved, I went back to the treatment center and I announced to all my cronies, I have been saved. I have been born again. And he said through his little squinty eyes, he says, yeah, man, you'll probably be a preacher too. And he was right. (laughs) 
happy is the people whose God is the Lord. When you get saved, you got something to be happy about. Everything may not be perfect in your life, but one thing for sure, if you died tonight, you're not going to hell. You're going to heaven. You're on your way to glory. You're on your way to your mansion in the sky. Woo! Yeah, but you don't know the trouble I've seen. Yeah, but you don't know the blood that's been shed. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thanks be unto God, Paul said, who always causes us to triumph. So getting saved makes you happy. Happy is the people. The second cup, as it came forth, the Lord said, I am going to free you. I am going to set you free. How many of you know you can come out of Egypt, but sometimes people have a little bit of Egypt left in them? I mean, you can come out of the wilderness, but sometimes mindset of the wilderness, wilderness mindset still are around. And you understand this, that even though you've been born again, the enemy will knock on the door of your life and try to entangle you again with the bondage, come on, with the bondage that you've been set free from. So this cup represents freedom. And I believe what Jesus is saying to us today, whom the Son has set free, will be free indeed. Hallelujah. And when you experience this glorious freedom wherewith Christ has made you free, what will happen in your life is you will start experiencing some stability. You'll start experiencing some stability. I want to encourage you today to stand fast in the liberty Wherewith Christ has made you free. Stand fast in it. Yeah, pastor, I was doing okay for a few months, but then I backslid. Well, listen, you can come back to Christ just like that. You can come back to Christ. And what the devil tells people, well, you've gone this far, you might go all the way. No, we're not going all the way. We're going to do an about face and we're going to run to Yahweh. Amen? Amen. And we're going to commit our lives to Jesus. So don't you get under condemnation. Don't you be down on yourself just because you've messed up and you've missed it. Get up from that place. And take the armor of God once again upon your life. And say, you know what, I have missed it in the past, but today is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm not going there again. I'm not doing that again. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Amen. And so freedom... Total freedom. It's His will for your life. Freedom in your mind. A sound mind. Freedom in your body. A healthy body. A strong body. So that you can serve Him. And that you can honor Him. You see, He said to the children of Israel with this cup, He said, I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to rescue you you know perhaps today i don't know perhaps this morning there are people that are stuck with some issue that you've faced over and over again listen friend he will set you free well somebody says i don't have any issues that's just it that's your issue right there He'll make you stable. You see, wisdom and knowledge, they're going to be the stability of the times in which you live in. 
Television can't be our stability. NBC, ABC, Fox, MSNBC can't be your stability. How many of you know this old world is rocking and reeling? But oh, I'm thankful that we have been brought into a kingdom that shall never be removed. It shall never be shaken. I'm going to stay hooked up with the king. How about you? And he's going to enable our lives to be stabilized in Jesus' name. Now, the third cup, he says to the children of Israel, he says, now... He said, I will redeem you. I will redeem you. You see, these guys had experienced a lot of loss in their lives. They've experienced a lot of things that they were just so beat up by the Egyptians that they just experienced a lot of setbacks. They experienced a lot of things in their lives that just really beat them up. But God is saying to them, He said through this cup, he says, I'm going to bring restoration to you. He says, I'm going to restore to you, children of Israel, the years that the devil has stolen from you. I'm going to restore to you what the canker worm, the palmer worm, the Hittites, the the termites and everything that has come against your life. I'm going to restore to you. Is not our God the restore? Will not God recover some setbacks that we've experienced? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you ever experienced a setback? You know what a setback does? A setback makes you want to quit. But the Spirit of God on the inside of you won't let you quit. I mean, if you walk close with Him, He won't won't let you quit. He'll be right down there with you in the valley, whispering in your ear, Son, you can get up, you can make it, you can get up, you can do it, you don't have to stay down, you can get up, you can be a blessing. Like Keith Hershey says, don't you let a setback cause you to sit back, but prepare for a Holy Ghost comeback. Amen. Prepare for a comeback. We serve the comeback champion of the universe. He was down in hell for three days and three nights. But he came up and he came out and he came back. And that's the stuff you're made of. That's the DNA of every believer in this auditorium today. You don't have a quitter on the inside of you. You've got to conquer. I'm going to say that again. That felt good right there. I felt a little something up in here. Woo, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. You don't have a quitter on the inside of you. I'm glad that in the Garden of Gethsemane, on bended knee, Jesus said, I'll just forget it. I can't do this. No, Jesus on bended knee said, Lord, not my will, but as thy will, thy will be done. He didn't quit. He could have quit. He could have quit on the cross. He could have quit and called thousands of angels to come and deliver him. But he didn't quit. Instead of quitting, what did he do? He conquered. I said he conquered. He conquered. He conquered death. He conquered disease. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He conquered your depression. He conquered your oppression. He conquered that cancer. He conquered it all. The Bible says he spoiled principalities. He spoiled them. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We were just in Rome. 
And our tour guide showed us the areas where the triumphant king would come and hold a triumphant procession. And in front would be the king and all of the trophies of his victory. And in the back, the ones that they had conquered, all dejected and beat up. And they would hold forth the spoils before Rome and show them all the things that they had conquered and they had accumulated through that conquest. Well, thank God, Jesus had a parade right in front of death, hell, and the grave. A dejected, doomed, destroyed enemy with his head down and his tail whooped. Hallelujah. He spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly. And he triumphed over them in it. Aren't you glad? He's not a quitter. And you know what? He ain't going to quit on you. He don't quit on his kids. Sometimes his kids quit on him. But he'll never quit on you. There's nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't have a quitter on the inside of me. I have a conqueror. Now look at Romans 8, 37. Say it with me. He is the conqueror. conqueror. I'm in him. him. And he's in me. What he conquered, I need not conquer. What he destroyed, I need not to destroy. What he won victory over, I already have victory over. I'll never forget this story. Terry Mize told it years ago. Look at Romans 8:37. Read it with me. Yet in all these things, Better read it again. Somebody didn't get it. Yet, better do it one more time. Yet, more than what? Jesus was the what? We're more than what? We're more than conquerors. Glory. Terry Mize told this story many, many years ago. And he talked about the, the heavyweight champion fight of the world. And the champion was over there, and he was real cocky, and he was saying, man, I'm just gonna, this guy's going to go out in two rounds. But this other guy, he'd been training. Where the other guy had been playing, he'd been training. And so the night of the fight came, and the purse was $10 million. And so, you know, this guy was motivated because he'd been living way, way down. This guy had been living up, but this guy was about to come from down to being up. So he went into that fight, and it went a few rounds, and all of a sudden, the heavyweight champion of the world had a puzzled look on his face. What's going on? I've been hit a few times. And then the fourth round, the contender comes in, punches him, gives him an uppercut, gives him a right hook, and the champion of the world goes down. You see... This defender conquered him. Right? They raised up his hand and said he conquered the heavyweight champion of the world. He was in the locker room and they were interviewing him and they were saying, how does it feel to conquer the heavyweight champion? Well, it feels so good to have conquered him and to be a conqueror. He goes by and picks up his check for $10 million, drives across town. His wife's waiting for him at the front door. She's still a conqueror. He hands her the check. She just became more than a conqueror. 
she just became more than a conqueror. Woo! Glory to God. And you, my friends, are more, more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let me take a drink. When you get freed up, what this does, it brings stability into your life. Stability into your life. He said, I will redeem you. I will redeem you. I will reinstate you. Hmm, interesting. You know, people say, well, you know, I don't have any issues. Like I said earlier, that probably is your issue. And and sometimes people like to excuse themselves and say, well, that's just my personality. Yeah, but your personality has been tainted by the curse. Right? But what God is saying, I will reinstate you. I will bring you back to your factory settings. I'll bring you back to the person I intended you to be from the very beginning. You see, let go of your flesh and let go of your personality and take on the character qualities of Christ and let me bring you back to the factory and let me reset you. Glory to God. Let me redeem you. Let's look at Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. So life may have altered you. It may have damaged you. But say it with me. He's restoring me. In Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, I want you to read this with me. Ready? Read. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid, stubborn, and dupes of sin. Ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But God... But God, come on now. But when God, our King and loving Savior, thank God he stepped in. Verse 5, read. He saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people washed inside and out by the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. A good bath. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like a good bath when you've been on a jet for 14 hours. There ain't nothing like a good bath of the blood of the Lamb and the Word of God. Our Savior, read, our Savior, Jesus, poured out new life so generously. Verse 7 and 8. God's gift has restored our relationship with Him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come and eternity of life. Verse 8. You can count on this. I want you to put your foot down, take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. So what was the first cup? The cup of salvation. Makes you happy, happy, happy. What was the second cup? The cup of what? Freedom. And what does freedom do for you? 
Hello, are you still here? Freedom makes you stable. And then when you've been redeemed and you've been restored, you can start getting you off your mind and start being fruitful and bearing fruit and being a blessing. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, it says, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, thank God He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living and part of the overall purpose. He is working out everything and everyone. Say it with me. He's making me fruitful. And then the last cup. And we'll close here in just a few moments before we receive communion. Oh, I love this. He says, as that cup is held up at the Passover meal, and they're reminded yearly, I will take you as my own people. I will take you not only out of bondage, but I will draw you to myself. And that's the wonderful thing about being a born-again Christian, you do not have to go through life on your own. How many of you know that you're God's choice? And isn't there something special about having the sense of someone wanting you? Isn't there something special about belonging? It's not so special when you're on a playground and you're ready to choose teams and pick teams and... One person goes up and says, I'll take him and him and him. I don't want those two. You can have them. But that doesn't happen in the kingdom of God. God says, I want you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you as a person. But now I want to bring all of you into my family. And I want to touch your life. And I want to be a father unto you. That is so awesome. A sense of belonging. A sense of being part of the Father. Everyone say the Father. Father. And His family. You see, God has called us out as a group. He's called us out to be a body here at Heart of the Bay. He's called us out to be a blessing. And I know one thing for sure, that blessing does come through relationships. And you can get connected with one another in a church like this. God says, I'm bringing you into my family. The father and his family. Think about it. And not only am I bringing you into my family, but I'm also giving you my name. I'm giving you my name. And he tells us, you know what? You're not going to have to wonder anymore or struggle with your insecurities. You're not going to have to struggle with who you are or where you belong. You belong to me. I am yours and you are mine. And that's the story a lot of the time that people are searching and looking for identity. Identity. I'm glad that I'm identified with him. I'm glad that I'm part of the family of God. And so these four things, these four cups in a nutshell. Number one, 
He brought us out. Number two, he freed us. Number two, he redeemed us. Number four, he takes us as his own people. And as a result, we're happy, we're stable. Come on, somebody. We're free, and we are blessed to be a blessing. Let's just thank God for his word today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for moving into our lives strong in this place today.